Welcome in once again, Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, and it's a first, a first dual interview, and this was recorded during the last Athena International Conference back in October 2019, and our guests are Paula Brown Stafford and Lisa T. Grimes. They are executive coaches with a different approach, because defining who you are and highlighting your personal brand is a key driver of success in your career. Be prepared to think differently. And by the way, this again has some audio hits like last week's show. Skype has a mind of its own, as I said last week. But again, it's all arable. So check it out now. Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International. Episode number 88 starts now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, and I am Jeff Blitnikoff, and we are recording special podcasts now from the Athena International Conference in beautiful Hudson Valley, New York. As I record this, it's October 21st. Of course, you're listening to it after the conference, but don't worry. If you miss this Athena Conference, you can go to the next one. They have them annually, and we have our guest. This is the first for this podcast. We have a joint interview and we have Paula B. Stafford, Paula Brown Stafford, and Lisa T. Grimes of Haberjohn. And they run an executive coaching firm. And you actually both started out as competitors and now you are colleagues and you're doing this together. So, wow. Uh, my first joint interview, I'm going to just give the floor to you both and uh, and see where it takes us. Welcome. Well, thank you, Jeff. We we appreciate it. You mentioned that Lisa and I were competitors. I'll, I'll give you a quick background on that. I'll start and Lisa will uh, maybe wrap up. But we were in the mid to late 90s. We were both working for contract research organizations, which are companies that consult pharmaceutical companies. And she and I were with the number one and two uh, CROs, contract research organizations, and we were both head of sales. And we met in the lobby of a pharmaceutical company in New Jersey, and we were competing against one another for the same multi-million dollar contract. And we did not like each other, certainly from afar, because we were both trying to win the business for and with our uh, respective companies. It took many years of us seeing each other from afar before we finally met, and the person who for years told each of us that we should meet the other one. We finally agreed. We went to lunch expecting him to be there and he wasn't there and it was the two of us. And he had said, you all will finish each other's sentences. Just give the other one a chance. And so finally, I had agreed to go to the lunch that day because I said, if you'll never mention Paula's name again, I'll go to lunch. Well, we were finishing each other's sentences about 10 minutes into the luncheon and have come to the business relationship and the friendship that has grown from that many years ago, which led us to realize and live the fact that complimenting other women certainly beats competing 
with them. It's a very interesting story, and I'm sure that you have coached others to do the same. So what's the process been like for that? Well, it starts out with realizing that neither one of us is perfect. We don't do everything exceedingly well. So being willing to acknowledge what our strengths are, what it is that we do well, and how we complement each other in the truest sense of the word. It's often you can be visualized with puzzle pieces because we can fill in each other's gaps. So realizing that we can help fill in others' gaps and being vulnerable enough to let others fill in our gaps. So the two of us have uh, joked and told people that when you put the two of us together, you have one brain. So that's why you had to have two of us on the call today. (laughs) And I love it. This is great. It's a first for me as well. So this is, hey, the podcast always has to expand and this is definitely expanding for me. So let's talk about your book. And it's called Remember Who You Are. And of course, it's something you both wrote, very collaborative. Tell me about that book and how do you think it's impacting the people that are reading it? What's the feedback that you've gotten? Thanks, Jeff. We've we've received really very positive feedback. We set out to share with young professional women, primarily is what we set out to do, to share our stories and to help maybe make it a little easier for someone else by hearing some of our tried and, and true and painful challenges along the way. We focused our book on three areas. One, achieve success. Two is to create balance in our lives. And three is to experience fulfillment. And with those three themes, we have nine chapters that go into, you know, three chapters each of those three themes. When in the end, it really is around being the best you that you can be. So remember who you are. You've got to, as Lisa mentioned, you first got to understand who you are and be happy with who you are, be authentic with who you are, and just be you. And one of the other things that we did in the part of like helping young career women and really helping women, we've had a lot of feedback from women in all stages of their career, figuring out their personal brand. We're all pretty familiar with corporate brands and the groups that we affiliate with, but we don't often think about our personal brand and really work to make sure that we are living our personal brand each day, which is part of what Paula said about living authentically. And the other aspect of the book that we both really enjoyed and have gotten great feedback on is at the end of each of the nine chapters, we end it with a Dear Younger Me letter. And we had executives from around the world in various industries, various fields, write a letter to their younger self thinking and talking about what they wished they had known when they were just starting out in their careers. And we have some powerful letters. So it's a great read if you just read the nine letters. What you would tell your younger selves. Let's start with uh, Paula. Well, the first thing that I would tell my younger self is not to be so defensive and the defensiveness that I showed really through my mid-30s until it was pointed out to me 
that I was defensive came from a lack of confidence. And when we speak with young and old, we have tremendous conversations around building confidence. And part of that confidence comes from knowing your brand, knowing who you are, and again, living authentic to who you are. And I think I thought I kind of knew who I was, but I was trying to maybe be somebody else. And I was in moving up the career ladder in the pharmaceutical industry and was not all that kind to other women and even other men in the room because it was men who pointed out my defensiveness when I went through a 360 degree feedback. And I've been very open and sharing that story. It's not something I'm proud of, but when I was told that, oh, she's great, she's great, she's great, but she's defensive. It's the but, you know, Lisa mentioned that we don't like to, we know that we're not perfect and we know we have gaps and I know I'm not perfect at not getting defensive and I'm not perfect at not having the confidence that I should always have. But because I focused on it, it certainly helped me. But I think one of the things we talk about in our book and and even in our speaking engagements is focusing on what your strengths are and trying to leverage those, but certainly knowing where you have challenges and, and trying to take the edge off of those is going to help as well. How about you, Lisa? Yes, I would say one is very similar in that I had paid a little more attention earlier on that when I was so driven to achieve a goal because I felt the need to prove that I could do it, that I had paused and taken as many people with me as I could. So I wasn't intentionally trying to be a bulldozer, but I wasn't stopping and saying, oh, well, how many of us can go there together? So that would be one thing. I think a second thing would be enjoy the moment that I am in, be 100% where I am instead of feeling guilty that I'm not at this other place or feeling guilty because I should have been doing something. So committing to my priorities and then being fully present. And I would say the third thing would be to have been willing to ask for help or be more vulnerable earlier on because a lot of us, well, we all need help. And I think if more of us set the example of asking for help, we would not only receive more help, but it would just be a great example. And I wish that I had done that earlier on. I'd like to talk about your executive coaching firm and maybe get an elevator pitch from you both as to say I'm somebody considering coming to one of your speaking engagements, buying your book, hiring you for coaching, any of those things, what would you say that people can expect from Haberjohn? I would first say we have seven decades of experience between us that we pour into our coaching. I would say if you look at our disc profiles and our Myers-Briggs and any other Enneagram or other tool that's out there, while we overlap each other on our values, our methods and the processes that we go about accomplishing the task could not be more diametrically opposed, which is great in coaching because the clients with whom we work are getting real three 
60 feedback sitting there on the spot because we are coming at it from both angles. Because we have a firm, but what you might not realize is that we do all our coaching together so that each coachee gets the advantage of speaking with both of us. And as I mentioned before, they get the whole brain. So that's a rarity that we have not seen in our careers and the feedback that we get from the executive with whom we're working is that, wow, you're hitting it from multiple angles. We also do some live 360 feedback, depending on which type of coaching our clients are interested in, where we do some formal interviews, verbal interviews, not written, of several of their colleagues. And then we integrate that back into our message. So I think the the bottom line is It's a two-on-one coaching exercise, and it's based on 70 years worth of experience. So as we round out this interview, I want to go back to collaboration versus competition. And I have no problem at all with competition. Competition keeps us sharp, but I think you can take it too far where you start to see of scarcity or you have a scarcity mindset where you think the pie is only so big. And then if somebody else gets a bigger piece of the pie, then that means you get less. But collaboration, I think, means that Sure, you can still be competitive and want to be the best you can be, but you can also see that maybe two people together, and you two are prime examples of that, are better than people alone. So maybe you could talk to how people can kind of get out of that scarcity mindset that they have and see things in more of a a way of abundance. Sure. I think that people assume or think that, you know, one might be better um, because they don't know how to put the two together. But I guess to me, one plus one equals three. If you go into it with the right mindset, understanding what you bring to the collaboration and understanding what the other individual or individuals bring to the collaboration and trying to put a puzzle together, making sure that the pieces don't overlap or they leave gaps. You're trying to fill the holes with different types of skill sets and different types of expertise and bringing that all together to make that one plus one equal three. Which I think goes along with what you're asking, Jeff, about more of an abundance mindset than a scarcity mindset. Of course, we believe and we both are highly competitive We just choose not to compete with each other. So we compete to win, but we also compete to help other women win. And so it's often, I think, what we have seen, the competition stems back to comparisons. And when you start comparing Well, you usually either get prideful because you think you do it so well, or you feel really down in the dumps because, oh, well, I'm not this good and I can't do this well and I don't know how to do that. So comparison is really kind of a zero-sum game because there's not a whole lot of benefit in it, but it then can also drive you to compete with people with whom you would be 
so much more better off to complement. And as Paula was saying, the synergies that result from that lead back to more of the abundance mindset, lead back to much greater fulfillment. And then you can save your competition for the external people, compete for winning the business or compete to win the game. And as an individual, we grow when we learn. And generally, we learn from others or our experiences. But I think that learning from others is that opportunity to grow as an individual. All right, let's get into our final few questions here. Resources. Uh, of course, I'm going to have all of your links, uh, Haverjaw and your book, everything that you have associated with your brand. I'll have that in the resource section. But can you tell me some other things that people should plug into to be inspired? Well, a few favorite books, The Outward Mindset by the Arbinger Institute, Boundaries by Henry Cloud and John Townsend, Give and Take by Adam Grant, and Carla Harris, who won the award today, has a great book, Strategize to Win and Expect to Win. Both of her books are great books for the bookshelves and ones that you want to keep and highlight and continue to focus back on. So those are some books that we have found to be great resources over the years. I was going to say there is one other book that is a favorite of, uh, I guess, mine personally, and we reference it in the book, is Good to Great by Jim Collins. And some of the examples are a bit outdated because it's a bit old. But on the other hand, he speaks of level five leadership. And that's something that we both have aspired to be level five leaders. Yeah, and I love level five leadership. It is such a, uh, I think John C. Maxwell talks about that as well. Such a uh, such a great concept and uh, definitely something to inspire aspire to. And let's get into our final question here. And I'm going to give the floor to both of you, Paula Brown Stafford and Lisa T. Grimes. You can address the audience with whatever you would like to talk about as we close out this interview. The mic is yours. I'd say believe in yourself, be bold enough to have confidence in yourself and then act on those beliefs, which means being willing to be vulnerable. I would say figure out who you are. That is what we talked about earlier in terms of knowing your own brand, which then allows you to set your priorities. And I would close with a quote uh, by C.S. Lewis has been around forever. When you put first things first, you get second things thrown in. When you put second things first, we lose both both first and second things. And this is Paula. I will add that I think at the end of the day, it all comes back to remember who you are. Yeah, and what a great way to close out the podcast. Thank you very much, Paula Brown Stafford and Lisa T. Grimes. Great executive coaching firm, Haberjohn. Again, you can connect to them in the resource section of this podcast page. And I just have to thank both of you for helping me through my first joint interview and making it very interesting for the audience. Well, we enjoyed it and we appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having us, Jeff. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Polo Rio Tate is an actor, artist, author, and sexual assault advocate. In this talk, she is going to enlighten you on something people often ignore, their own self-worth, and most important, positive self-worth. According to Polo, no one can take your joy, but you must work at it. 
Here's a bit from Polo. Thank God it's starting to come out of the woo-woo realm and starting to get more mainstream because it honestly is something that we must practice every day. The ability to sit quiet with ourselves it is a tremendous skill. And most of us are so busy and so worried about our output that we don't take the time to, to press pause on our life and sit in a quiet room with our eyes closed, focus on our breathing. We could really use your help to grow. If you're enjoying this show, go to womenreallymeanbusiness.com and check out the Grow the Show section. If you did even one of the four very simple things on that page, it would help us immensely. Thanks in advance for considering this.